Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and today we are closing out our three-week episode arc on the thief on the cross. We talked in the first week about the passage itself and just simply what the passage says. Then last week we looked at the questions that are asked genuinely, usually by people, who want to know, am I able to be saved like this? Because here are the questions. And I think as we mentioned, I'll say it again, doctrine deserves its day in court. And if we're not going to give it its full day in court, we're not really Bible students. So, doctrine deserves its day in court right? We would all agree with that. I hope. We answered those questions, though, with concerns that come up when we ask these questions, because even seemingly genuine questions can sometimes be asked, and it doesn't make it so. Uh, There's obviously some examples that we could mention just in passing about that. For example, in the day of Noah, Do you think there were probably some people that began to knock on the door of the ark or even bang on the door of the ark and say, let us in, let us in. We're ready now. We're ready to listen now that we know you're telling the truth. But we're told eight souls were saved by water. They had 100 plus years from God to turn and to change, and they didn't. And though their hearts in that moment might have finally been sincere enough because of the fear that was coming, their reverence for God was finally where it needed to be, despite all of that. It wasn't enough, was it? And so, yes, even the most genuine of questions doesn't make it so. And so we answered those questions with some concerns that come up. Today... I'm ready to declare the answer of what the Bible teaches. Now, lest you think that I am not, you know, going crazy, or that I am going crazy, hmm, now you won't believe me. Lest you think I'm going crazy, let me point this out. We've we've said the answer pretty much the other two episodes a lot. But I have some things that I, I want us to kind of what I like to kind of call text takeaways. And a lot of times when we do these text takeaways, haven't really had many of them this year. We had some, I think, with Jesus is in the boat. Uh, But with the text takeaways, it's kind of like taking what we talked about those first two weeks and saying, okay, how do I put a bow on it and put it into into a position where you know the most important things that I think need to be known about that topic. So here we go. Season 6, episode 16, the answers or the text takeaways from the thief on the cross. Number one, Jesus had the power to cleanse and forgive sins while on earth. He definitely came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. But this doesn't mean that Jesus could not forgive people of sin. Remember, There was that paralytic in Mark chapter 2. I want to read it again just in case any of you might have been discovering this podcast for the first time. Mark chapter 2 says, And again he entered Capernaum, 
after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying, lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to this paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of these scribes and others were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. and said, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Watch verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He had the authority to cleanse this man of both his sin and his sickness. And I find it incredible that so many of us have no problem saying that that Jesus had power to heal a leper, that Jesus had power to heal a paralytic, that he had the ability to take care of those problems, and yet for some reason we can't believe him when he says that he has the power to cleanse sins. That is a problem. That's an issue. It should be a concern. If he could heal that paralytic, couldn't he forgive a thief? If he could heal the paralytic of the sin that, you know, entrapped him, couldn't he forgive the thief? Don't forget John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Number two, the people at Pentecost were not given a way out like the thief, so why should we? And in fact, there is not another occurrence in the New Testament that states that someone had a similar encounter like the thief, so why should we? Because would Peter not have told those that day something similar to the thief? I mean, if, if we're to grant that we could be saved like the thief, then why is there not another example of this type of conversion in the New Testament? No other path to salvation is mentioned similar to what this thief got. And even Saul, when he was praying, still was told in Acts twenty two sixteen to do what? Hey, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Last I checked, you couldn't wash away your sins with prayer. That's what Paul was told, known as Saul back then. So why would Peter continue to push water baptism? Well, saying that it also now saves us is also a concern then. Because you remember 1 Peter 3. In verse 20, we're told, about those eight souls who were formerly disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, 
in which a few, that is eight souls, those who were not disobedient, sorry if I misspoke earlier, those eight souls were saved through water. And there's an antitype to this ark, which now saves us. It's baptism. Not, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why would Peter continue to push baptism, saying that it also now saves us if the only case in the New Testament that you and I can find about a man like this thief going to heaven without baptism is the thief and Peter and others, not just on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, men and brethren, what shall we do? What? Don't you know that you'll be in paradise because you believe? Don't you know about the thief? Don't you know? Don't you know? It had happened. Friends, if the only case in the New Testament about this man gaining paradise without baptism is the thief, then it's what we would call the exception and not the rule. Number three, we're missing the context of Luke 23, 39 through 43, when we focus on just one portion of it. We need to stop zeroing in on just one part of the contextual message that the Bible gives us. The, the actual point of this passage has been muddied by us turning it into an only salvation discussion. That's only what it is about now. It's just about how salvation is obtained instead of that salvation was obtained. And there's got to be a balance in examining the Scriptures. We can't overemphasize certain parts without looking at all of it. But we have done that with some pretty key passages. You know, Acts 2.38 has a lot of power within those words. But many people couldn't tell you that there's 47 verses in Acts chapter 2. They couldn't tell you that there are 47 verses in this chapter. There are 37 verses before verse 38 and 9 verses after it. To only look at verse 38 denies the context that exists around it. And to only look at verses 1 through 37 and 39 through 47 does the same thing. What about John 3.16? One of the most popular verses, if not the most popular verse that many people knew, especially after Tim Tebow had done his thing where he put it on his eye blank before a college football game. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But this passage doesn't negate the 15 verses that came before it, especially with verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Immersion is still necessary. What about Matthew 7, 1? If you read verses 2 through 5 to realize that Judging someone is not the sin being discussed there, but that unrighteous judgment's the sin being discussed. That we would judge in such a way that we wouldn't be prepared for judgment to come back on us. Why, why get caught up with one portion of the Gentiles being 
granted salvation in the case of Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, instead of realizing the beauty of what God had shown to Peter, who himself had struggled with own prejudice issues toward the Gentiles. What about Luke 23, 43 then? Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. How about we realize the beauty that a man who is not any of us today has been saved from an eternity of torment. That's the true meaning of this particular passage. Not how he was saved. That's a part of the equation. But it's not the whole equation. And we must focus on the actual message as a whole to truly appreciate what happened to this thief. We have to consider all of the text to understand what the meaning is. To only focus on the way that the thief was saved, it betrays the entirety of the context. It's not just the way he was saved, but that he was saved. Both of those have to be coupled together to think of the beauty of this passage that it has when we consider the whole context. That God can heal anyone of their physical diseases in that time through Jesus Christ, and he can also heal anyone of their spiritual diseases. This is not a complicated passage. The world has chosen to complicate it. But you and I have to remember, God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Thank you so much for being with us today. And next week, we begin the last six episodes of this season before we have one final special episode on December 27th. Lord willing, next week we'll begin to study the topic of wisdom. Specifically, though, prudence, the application of wisdom. Until then, don't forget to please God now so our eternity can be far better.